twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. And welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll interview Mike Patterson, Emergency Disaster Services Director with the Salvation Army North and South Carolina Division and a member of the Charlotte Amateur Radio Club. We'll also review the Tram 1185 Amateur Dual Band Magnet Antenna and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com, your radio specialist. ARRL Field Day is an annual event held across the U.S. and Canada on the fourth weekend of June. This year, the event was held the weekend of June 22nd and 23rd, 2013, and my son and I attended Field Day in our area, hosted by the Charlotte Amateur Radio Club, W4CQ. While we were there, I had the opportunity to talk with some of our fellow hams and interviewed a couple of them for the show. Now, usually you'll just hear the three of us banner about, but today I have a special treat for you. We're going to play one of those interviews. In this interview, we talk with Mike Patterson, Emergency Disaster Services Director with the Salvation Army, North and South Carolina Division, and a member of the Charlotte Amateur Radio Club. He'll tell us how he became involved with the groups, how the Salvation Army and the Charlotte Amateur Radio Club initially came together, and how this symbiotic relationship serves to benefit both organizations and the community, especially during an emergency. So let's play the interview. And we're speaking with Mike Patterson, and uh, you're the Emergency Disaster Services Director for the Salvation Army. Yes. Right? Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for, for giving us some of your time. Um, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about the Salvation Army and what it does here. So the Salvation Army headquarters here in Charlotte is the supervisory headquarters for the two states, North and South Carolina Division. So we basically coordinate and support all the local Salvation Army locations, um, what we call our churches, our core. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do uh, social services ministries and different programs. We support all 60 locations throughout the two Carolinas from here in Charlotte at headquarters. So both North and South Carolina. Yes, it's uh, the area of responsibility is one division, uh, what we call uh, in the in the Salvation Army lingo out of Charlotte. So uh, both okay. North and South Carolina. And you are also uh, a member of the uh, Charlotte Amateur Radio Club. Here. Yes, so my um, work with the Salvation Army now as Emergency Disaster Services Director uh, started about 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was uh, had the 
connection with the Salvation Army and the Amateur Radio Club here, the club station is located in our building physically. Mm-hmm. And so it was I had a connection, natural connection with Charlotte Amateur Radio Club and W4CQ and several of the members and um, uh, Fran Nakamura, who uh, was the club president and one of the four, one of the founders of the club. Mm-hmm. And um, so after uh, I started with my work in the Salvation Army and with W4CQ, um, became a member of the club um, and was interested in getting my license. And um, September 11th, 2001 happened. And uh, I had taken my license exam and I didn't tell the club members um, <laughs> I was doing my first presentation to the club um, uh, in the fall of 2001. And so I deployed to the Pentagon for 13 days, and I had an HT radio with me. And so um, my first transmission uh, as a licensed ham was at the Pentagon after 9-11 and helping to coordinate uh, operations. So that was kind of a a special moment. And then to be able to tell the club members about that when I came back uh, was a special moment as well. That's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So um, now the club and the Salvation Army uh, pretty much work together. They have a, a symbiotic relationship here. Very, very much so. There's, you know, as you know, there's there's two clubs um, in Charlotte, um, and so the 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 Four CQ Club has had a club station, their physical uh, location. Uh, at the Salvation Army's headquarters. We were on Moorhead Street for many years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, about 1993, we relocated to this current facility on Archdale Drive. Uh, and the club moved with us. And so there's a, there's a, a club station, there's a room uh, for the club here uh, at our building. So, uh, and because we cover North and South Carolina, um, they can cover North and South Carolina from this building. Uh, as well through through radio transmission, so um, it was they needed a place to meet and, and mm-hmm. sort of set up the shack and get things you know uh, hooked up and connected up, and so we were uh, happy to to help and support that, and we're happy to have them here. And we're here at the Salvation Army building here in Charlotte, and it's a really nice facility. So you guys have. A great shack. <laughs> it's a really nice. Uh, I've I've been in there uh, in the radio room, and and uh, you've got a nice conference room to, to hold the meetings in. I've, I've attended one of the club meetings, uh, and uh, really nice facilities. So you, you pretty much have it made. But this is a um, this is actually a really good uh, relationship here, and it seems to really work well for for both organizations. Sure does. I mean, you know, the club is a fellowship of amateur radio operators and hams of of like mind, and so they need somewhere to to come and be a part of the ham radio community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, having that facility here and and being able to make this our facility available to the club members um, is is great. And so we we would rely on on the club members and and the equipment here. Um, if there was a catastrophic event as far as emergency communications and, and being able to uh, reach out to where our local Salvation Army, um, particularly disaster response, is taking place in emergency communications and just helping to make those connections. Um, part of what we do in, the, in is liaise with both state governments. Mm-hmm. And so North and South Carolina both have a state emergency operations center, and they both have amateur radio emergency services um, and licensed to hams in their emergency operations centers, um, we would use this building as our initial emergency operations center for the Salvation Army, but we would then deploy to the field wherever the disaster was. 
Uh, and so to be able to have that kind of connectivity and support from the club when we need it uh, is great. Uh, it's, it seems like a perfect match. Mm-hmm. It really does. Uh, now, when did the club and the Salvation Army actually get together? How, how did that actually come about? The um, I will say one of the, the best resources to consult is W4CQ.net, www.w4cq.net, which is the homepage for the Charlotte Amateur Radio mm-hmm. Club, W4CQ. Um, so the call sign, W4CQ.net. And there's a, a great history um, there. It's a, it's, a, it's a great website, but it has some, some neat f- photographs um, of yeah, the, the initial club members and the four... The four members that kind of started the club itself, as far as the Salvation Army is concerned, really about um, Hurricane Hugo um, and and when the Salvation Army was responding down in Charleston and even throughout the Carolinas and here in the Charlotte area. Um, Charlotte Amateur Radio Club members were there at our facility on Moorhead Street. And so um, the, the relationship and partnership has really con- maintained since then. So the club has been around for quite a while. I've been to the website a couple of times, and, and, and it has quite a bit of history there. Um, now, you've been part of the club for, what, 12, you said about 12 years? Yeah, about now? 12, 13 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, have you seen a lot of changes in the hand community since then? Sure. I, you know, the... Um the hobby of amateur radio is of interest to lots of different people, um, but there's a great fellowship of problem solvers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's a it's a great opportunity to come and learn how to physically do the radio communications piece. Uh, and it's one thing to get your license and kind of do the studying and the book thing, but the really the the real fun then begins when you start to transmit and and enjoy the the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's great, um, certainly wonderful when you're doing it uh, on your own. Um, but there's a special fellowship when it's a part of a club, mm-hmm. um, and particularly folks that are um, they're open to solutions and whatever issues you're having with your equipment or your antenna or your radio. Um, there's a there's a neat connection there uh, with with the club, and so you know with the evolution of technology mm-hmm. um, and texting and you know. Blackberries and iPods and iPhones and all of that. Um, that's still great, um, but you can always tell the amateur radio operators they're using that as just another tool, and they'll come back to the hobby. Um, but more than just a hobby, it's it's a skill set of being able to transmit um, when no other communications resource exists. And so there are ham amateur radio operators that are, you know, a, a little bit older or see more seasoned yeah. than others. There are others that are younger that are coming along and and through various youth programmings and, and achievement and uh, in, in getting their amateur radio license. But um, I think the the role of the club in the amateur radio community um, has become more of an important um, aspect. You know, it's not just individuals out there kind of doing their thing and enjoying their hobby, although that's great and that's an important element. Um, it's when folks come together and kind of share that in more of a, a team aspect, if you like, a, a fellow, a club fellowship. It's more of but a community, uh, you know, yeah. a community group, yeah. Yeah, and so that's really been my um, exposure to amateur radio, you know, the, as you know, the license is issued to individuals, not organizations. And so the, the license was issued to me, even though I'm a part of the Salvation Army in my employment, 
um, it's part of what I a hobby that I enjoy, and there's also that next step of emergency communications and and the whole uh, amateur radio relay league and amateur radio emergency services and just the individual ham radio operators that say, you know, this is a part of what I do in a license. You know, is give back to my community. How can I help? Um, that's that's great, and so we we appreciate the club and its members here. Well, it's it's great to see this group working with an organization the, uh, like the Salvation Army that also has a long history of helping people, and especially in times of, of disaster, for emergency relief. I think this is a really good symbiotic relationship. I, I think it would be nice to see more of that around the, around the country. And I'm sure there are other organizations that do team up with, with uh, ham operators around the world, but this is a great use of ham radio. And obviously, it's been a it's been an important one. We have disasters coming in. Uh, and you mentioned uh, we were talking before about uh, when Hurricane Hugo came in, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess both uh, the club and the Salvation Army saw that uh, that need, mm-hmm. and just to, being to able to together. communicate, you know, and, and mm-hmm. get information where it was needed, and and send information and get resources and supplies and those kinds of things to help the Salvation Army do what it needs to do. You know, when no other resource existed, there was amateur radio operators um, standing by ready to to do that. And I I think that anyone who is interested in getting into ham radio, this is a good way to go. If you're saying, well, you know, what's in it for me for ham radio? Well, why should I get into ham radio? Uh, You know, getting involved in your community in this sense, uh, being there, because, you know, of course... You know, communications go down in an emergency. Uh, the cell phones go down. Everything, everything else. That's about all you've got left is is uh, amateur radio, and uh, to be able to participate in that uh, type of communications and being able to do something for your community, sure, is absolutely. a good incentive to get into it. And it's you know it's as you know it's it's provided for there right there in the language of the FCC license when we mm-hmm. all. You know, take our exam, and we're issued the license as part of the 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 provision for giving back to the community in times of crisis. It's up to us as individual AM radio operators how we define that. Mm-hmm. And some, you know, choose to be at their home station and support agencies and organizations and passing health and welfare traffic, or uh, others, you know, get trained and, and deploy to the field and work with agencies and organizations to do that. Um, but there's a role for the club and its members and, and team members as, as well. Um, but it's, you know, you're, you're right. It's, it's giving back to the community. It's, um, and it's one of the few, it's the only hobby, if you like, but it's the, it's the only licensure um, privilege, mm-hmm. you know, that we have. But um, the expectation of giving back and, and um, you know, it's, it's a great it's a great privilege, and um, you know we, as the amateur radio community, enjoy the, the freedom of that. Um, and certainly, many hams, you know, can spend a lifetime trying to explore the depths of the the technology and the hobby and all of its elements. Um, and that's all great. It's wonderful, but it's it's helpful to kind of make that connection to the sort of the yeah. the broader community. And um, and the club is a great way of doing that. And and certainly with. In times of, of disaster, and certainly our partnership with with Charlotte Amateur Radio Club and the Salvation Army is great. Well, we are here actually on the annual Amateur Radio Field Day, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a 
It's really kind of an international event, really, isn't it? Field days are held everywhere, pretty much. And we're here attending the field day, and it's pretty much a 24-hour event, right? This one. Now, is it the same everywhere or just, just here? Yeah, hours? it's it's the same uh, everywhere. And, and, in fact, the Amateur Radio Relay League uh, has done a, a great job in, in defining sort of the the rules of the, the 24-hour test, if you like, um, but broad enough so that it's it's an enjoyment of an exposure, first, maybe the first-time exposure to the activity or even emergency communications or just amateur radio in, it, in itself. Um, but the club has used it as an opportunity for fellowship, certainly, mm-hmm. but to get out into the field or, or sort of field test our, our skills and our equipment um, but enjoying, you know, family and fun and fellowship at the same time, and so it's, uh, you know, there's a, t- it's a timed uh, event. So there's 24 hours starts, you know, at, at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and goes for till the following afternoon. And the idea is to make as many contacts as you can on as many bands as you can within the, the scope of the rules. But um, and that that's changed, you know, over time and is different for each club. Um, and certainly, you know, while we're he- we've done the field um, deployments before, we we've in the last couple of years been deploying quote unquote to our club station here, and using that as our um, uh, the club activity, and the served agency being the Salvation Army and our emergency operations center, if you like. And so, you know, the the BFB club, for instance, is a wonderful club as well in Charlotte, and they're deploying in the field, and and so they have you know equipment deployed in the field, and you know campers and tents and trailers and all those kinds of things, um, and that's that's a great skill set and and training opportunity as well. But um, using our facility here um, gives gives folks an opportunity to come and. They may not have been here in a while or um, been here ever, and so they may have uh, heard about the club or uh, seen stuff on the web or heard stuff, heard, heard communications on on the on the radio. So they're able to kind of come and be a part of the fellowship and get uh, literally plugged in and and sort of see where where we are and where we hang out and um, and what what happens and so kind of, and get on get the to air. know get to know the club and yeah. and, and everyone in it. Yeah. Now, what happens on the field day is this is the one day of the year where. Um, the average person off the street, and someone who's interested, you know, who who's just curious about ham radio, and or just want wants to know what's going on, uh, can come in and can actually get on the radio and uh, and talk with people around the world. Right, should try it out, see right. what it's like. And and the idea there is, you know, the the GOTA, the get on the, the air station, uh, and to have that available, and there's provision for that within the the plan of this mm-hmm. field day uh, exercise and deployment. And it's it's just you know a, a great exposure to the activity for some folks who who may have thought about it and you know thought, well, I'll just kind of check it out. And there are lots of opportunities to do that. Certainly, you know. W4CQ and W4BFB here in Charlotte and and other clubs and, and other activities around, um, you know, it's a it's a great uh, activity to be a part of and and certainly a great opportunity to get um, exposed to the activity and see what's see what's happening and, and and get plugged in and that's you know one of the reasons why we do it here at the club station is is to get folks familiar to with the club and um, and folks and so you know it's a it's a one one time annual thing and. Um, certainly, there are other emergency-focused right. tests yeah. and trials throughout the calendar year, 
but this is the one time of the year where everybody can sort of just get just together check and, it out. Yeah, and yeah. have some fun and you know see see how many contacts you can make and and um, it, it's you know the, within the rules and, and sort of the the number of stations and where folks are located mm-hmm. uh, and the points that 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 gets all tabulated and that's all part of the fun of the activity too but um, the real fun is just kind of doing it and, and um, seeing what we can do and accomplish together as a team. Well, my son Tommy is here, and uh, he's he's in uh, the radio room right now, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, listening and, and making contacts with other people. It's, he got his handling license recently, and uh, this is an Great. opportunity for him to get some experience on the air, and uh, yeah, he's having a good time in there. And I tell you what, if anyone is interested in ham radio, this is a great way to start to kind of uh, learn what it's all about. See if it's for you and and, uh, find out a little bit more about it and about uh, these guys and gals who are doing this. So uh, you find a field day in your area, check it out. It it doesn't cost you anything. It's free, right? And you can't be free. That's (laughs) That's what I always say. That's right. So, um, well, Mike, thanks a lot for giving us some time here on You're the welcome. Toy Radio Show today. You're welcome. And uh, before you go, uh, what's the website address? For Charlotte Amateur Radio Club, it's www.w4cq.net, w4cq.net. Okay. And if they want to contact anyone, uh, is, is there a number to call? There, all the informa- contact information is there. In fact, if you plug in w4cq.us, um, you'll come to the same homepage for Charlotte Amateur Radio Club and all the contact information is there. Okay, well, great. Well, Mike, uh, once again, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time today. Uh, we've been talking with Mike Patterson, uh, Emergency Disaster Services Director at the Salvation Army and uh, also a, uh, uh, an amateur uh, radio operator here with uh, W4CQ, the Charlotte Amateur Radio Club. Mike, thanks a lot. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we'll review the Tram 1185 Amateur Dual Band Magnet Antenna. What's our perception of its reception? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show. Searching for two-way radios? Buy Two-Way Radios has what you need. Buy Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. Buy Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show, and this week we're going to review an amateur dual-band magnet antenna from Tram, the 1185. All right, the Tram 1185 is uh, a dual-band antenna, and you you don't see too many dual-band antennas, especially on on our uh, website, because mainly we cater to the LMR business community, but 
If you've been listening to the show, you probably realize we've been adding more amateur products, and we've been trying to to gain a presence in the amateur radio community. And uh, the Tram 1185 is a good start for us. This antenna uh, supports UHF and VHF frequencies, has a magnet mount. It's a three and a quarter inch magnet mount, and it also includes uh, 12 feet of RG58 cable with a UHF connector, a PL259. This antenna is great for using um, with a mobile radio in your vehicle. That's perfect, that's what it was designed for. But it's also good if you have a handheld radio or an Mm -hmm. HT that you want to connect and get more range with. Uh, You know, the regular rubber duck style antennas aren't going to get you as much range as a a larger antenna like, like this. And this uh, three-quarter inch magnet, that's a pretty um, powerful magnet because uh, now I've, I've been testing out this antenna myself, and uh, it, it does have a pretty good grip. Yeah, I tested it out on my vehicle for uh, a few days, and no problem at all with a magnet <laughs> hold, uh, holding, that's, that's for sure. Kind of hard to get it off the car. <laughs> yeah, and now, this is a, a short, a fairly short antenna. It's only 19 inches tall, so I, I guess you don't need a... a too large of a magnet to handle an antenna that size. So it's more than enough magnet to keep that in place, really. Right. And and what I was testing this with is uh, a Baofeng UV5R. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my car, I definitely got improved reception with this antenna over the, the rubber duck antenna that's included with that radio. Now, uh, for that setup, I had to use an adapter there's a, a UHF to SMA adapter that uh, will connect to the cable that's included with this antenna and then screw on to the radio. Depending on what radio you have, you may need a different adapter, but uh, we have a pretty good selection on our website. And you actually um, created a video. We actually did a video. That's right. Check our YouTube this. channel. We have a, a video demonstrating how to connect this antenna to a Baofeng UV5R. Yeah, it's a good video, and it will. Uh, and actually, you demonstrated actually how to connect it all up to the radio. Yes, I did. And in that video, I mentioned all the part numbers for all the adapters mm-hmm. and everything that you need. So check out that video if you're interested in connecting this antenna to an, an HT. If you're going to connect it to a mobile in your vehicle, it should include everything that you need because most likely yeah. your mobile has a UHF connector already. Now, this worked pretty well in your car, but it, it didn't work so well, I guess, in your house or yeah, in other I, places. I spent some time playing with this antenna. On the vehicle, it was great. It was exactly what I expected. Uh, I tried taking it into the house to see if I could uh, improve my range there as well. Uh, but I have mixed results there. Now, the, the main reason for that, however, is I didn't have uh, a ground plane that was large enough for the antenna. Uh, the trunk of the car, the top of the car, is really going to serve as a ground plane. Right. And when we, I say ground plane, I mean it, it, these antennas, this antenna needs a ground plane. It needs a large piece of metal underneath it to help uh, the antenna with reception, essentially. Mm-hmm. And... In my home, I just didn't have a large enough piece of metal to, uh, handy anyway, to uh, suffice for that. So I didn't have great results with it in the house, but that's kind of my fault. I'm not going to blame it on the antenna because it did work great on the vehicle. 
All right. And this uh, antenna goes for what? $19.99. That's actually a pretty good uh, price for an antenna like this. It really is, considering that you get the cable, you get the connector, the UHF connector, um, along with it, all packaged together. A little hex key here, too. Yeah, if you need to take the antenna out of its base or or to change the size or for some other reason, the hex key is provided as well. So would you say it's a cool little antenna? It's a cool little antenna. People will like this antenna. You can't go wrong with this antenna for $20, that's for sure. That's Anthony's line. I guess we have to to give you something for that trademark. This is exactly right. I'll bill you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you enter promo code show at checkout you'll save an additional five percent on this antenna that is a great point i'm glad you mentioned that hey can't leave that out excellent point absolutely yeah absolutely um any other comments or thoughts on the tram 1185 check out the video the video gives you a, a picture of the antenna you you actually see this thing uh in action so Check that out. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash buy two-way radios. And we'll have a link to it also in the show notes for this episode of the Two-Way Radio Show. Right. Well, we have some questions and comments from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. And the first one comes from Tom. And Tom's uh, he's replying to um, our comments about the Midland GXT5000 being discontinued. He wants to know, is Thailand the only country in the world that can build this radio? Give me a break. I'm sure you can get China to make them and have them shipped out in a few months, or better yet, start making them in the USA. And that's from Tom. Wish it were that simple. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that they can be made uh, elsewhere. If they're made in the United States, though, expect that $150 radio to cost you $300. Well, first of all, we don't make the radio. Yeah, we, we don't no, make them. We yeah. have no control over it. <laughs> That's Midland. I can't really speak for Midland, but I, I do feel like they put some effort into bringing back the GXT-5000. You know um, what? I think there's a deeper reason for this, really, and I think it has more to do with the demand or maybe the lack of demand for these radios. Now, you know, on the surface, it seems like since they've discontinued this radio, I've I've heard a lot of people saying, hey, what is going on? You know, I, I wanted that radio. And people have been waiting for this radio to return, as Midland said that it would, um, months prior to that. And now they officially said, no, uh, we're not going to bring it back. So um, apparently there's a demand there, but uh, also apparently Midland feels that the demand isn't sufficient to warrant production. Certainly not. I mean, it, it's it's not impossible to have this radio produced. That's for mm-hmm. sure. It's just I'm I'm sure. And again, I'm I don't want to speak for Midland, but I'm assuming that they're weighing the cost of this. They're looking at what's it going to take to get a, a factory up somewhere else versus what we're going to make from this radio. I think it, my two cents is I think that if it was a radio that had been in production for two years and they sold hundreds and thousands of them, and then this flooding occurs. Mm-hmm. they done well with it. I think they, they get it, get the shop up and running again. But they didn't have a chance for this radio to 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 get out on the market. You know, they, we, we sold whatever we had, the few that they got out, and the flooding happened. Um, and then they decided not to, to continue production. I think it, 
if it would have been something that would have been out for a couple of years and then this happened, I think they probably would have been on it, fix it, find another plant, whatever. I think it was just a business. It definitely was a business decision on their end. And that's an excellent point. It really is. I don't think they really gave it enough time for it to take hold before the you know before they decided uh, it wasn't worth it. Had it been the plant that's that had point. it been the production plant that does GXT one thousands, no doubt they would have got the thing up and running again. Oh you yeah, as is, is, uh, popular and successful as they are, no doubt they would have got them up and running again. Now that's my two cents. I don't know if that's. I think that's the, the case, very but valid. you know, I think it it probably was part of their decision. Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. Um, but uh, overall, bottom line is, uh, Tom, uh, it doesn't look like it's coming back, and uh, yeah, they could probably make it anywhere, but looks like they've decided not to make it at all. So, um, of course, if there's a big enough demand, you know, if enough people write in and say, hey, uh, Midland, make this radio again, maybe they'll reconsider. I don't know. It, you know, it would take a, um, a movement, more or less, I guess, mm-hmm. to make that happen. But anything's possible. It is. All right. um, We have a comment from Mark. And Mark is commenting on the way we pronounce uh, Baofeng. He says, the name of this manufacturer is spelled B-A-O-F-E-N-G with an E, not a U. It's pronounced Baofeng, as in the front of a ship plus a long hollow tooth used by snakes to deliver venom. Not Baofeng. I mean, you wouldn't pronounce it Bo Ming, would you? Well, of course not. There's no O or me in it. Same thing here. No U. This is a simple one, guys. Let's use a little common sense and at least try not to completely butcher it. And that's from Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Uh, appreciate the comments. Um, actually, I, you know, we try to do a lot of research before we start pronouncing things uh, on the show and... Uh, and on our videos, we go to great lengths to make sure that what we're doing is um, is correct and that we have all the right information. One of those uh, things that we do is we research the pronunciation of a lot of these terms that you see written everywhere, but you don't always hear. And there can be some confusion in that. When I researched Baofeng, the Chinese, apparently there are a couple of different pronunciations of this term, and it kind of depends on where you're from. As I understand it, uh, from all the research that I've done, in Taiwan, they pronounce it um, Baofeng, and in some parts of China, they call it Baofeng. And I have heard some Chinese uh, do pronounce it Baofeng, but overwhelmingly, it seems the number of people who pronounce it Baofeng outnumber all those others so it, yeah, we it, also you know, checked um, amateur radio forums and news groups and yahoo groups um, before we did our first episode or video mm-hmm. with that radio and uh, saw what the common pronunciation uh, in the ham community was and from what um, from what we saw it's it's baofeng baofeng i know it it my first inclination is to call it Baofeng, <laughs> as it's spelled, but apparently... I wanted from to call it Baofeng. That's better. Baofeng. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Baofeng. Baofeng. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you say either, I say either. Tomato, tomato, right. potato, potato. So, um, uh, you know, <laughs> it's 
it I, I think some of it's going to depend on on where you're from. I a think lot you're of right. it is. Okay, well, I guess it does it for our comments and questions this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. All right, uh, as always, uh, no drum roll. Before we go, does anyone have any final comment? Great interview, Rick. Thank it you. Was a, Thank yeah, you. appreciate that. That was a great interview. Thanks, Anthony. And, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, there'll be more to come. I also want to thank Mike Patterson for being part of the show today. Thank you, Mike. We really do appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. As always, everyone, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.